Good morning, afternoon, and evening, CSS Nation. My name is Harry Mullen, and my co-host with me today is Pernell Husband. How you doing, Pernell? Doing very well, Harry, and how are you today? Excellent, excellent, excellent as always, because awesome. today I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. It's, uh, you know, uh, going to be a hot day, it seems, and... Uh, so we're going to have to back it up with lots of cervezas and barbecue going on to keep us comfortable. That sounds good to me. I'm, I'll be over in about two hours, Mr. H. All right. Sounds good. And uh, let me just remind everybody that uh, you can watch us on our YouTube station, Central Sterilization Solutions. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, and as well as LinkedIn. So we're in CSS Nation where we uh, post this. And if you like the show, be, be sure to hit the uh, like and subscribe. And uh, we'd love to have you join our you know, uh, weekly podcast to be able to listen to us on a regular basis. And uh, also, just a quick reminder, I know last Sunday I talked about uh, briefly, uh, briefly, 30, I think it was about 30 minutes, about it is now july we have until july 12th in order to uh complete the vote on the upgrade of the name from isham uh to the healthcare sterile processing association so hspa and as you all know i went ahead and voted for it so uh doesn't matter which side of the aisle you uh, end up on the important thing is is go out there and vote so what we're going to do today, folks, uh, two weeks ago, Pernell and I were talking about the uh, Amy standards, and we are going to go ahead and uh, pick that up where we left off the last time. Uh, but before we do so, we're going to go ahead and do a, a recap. Quick recap of Amy. Amy is an organization for advancing the development and safe and effective use of medical technology. It was founded in 1965 by Dr. Robert D. Hall Jr. and Robert J. Allen. Now remember, Amy members include decision makers in the medical uh, technology profession, clinical engineers, biomedical equipment technicians, manufacturers, and ding, 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 sterile processing professionals as well as researchers, quality assurance, and regulatory affairs experts, as well as other healthcare technology management professionals. Now, uh, I'd like to uh, note real quick that in 1966, Amy first was introduced to the public at large at MEDAC 66, which stands for the Medical Equipment Display and Conference. It was held in Boston, uh, at which Dr. DeBakey and uh, Kantrowitz introduced the, to the world the first artificial hearts and debated the merits of each. Yeah. More than 7,000 individuals, hospitals, and medical device manufacturers are members of AMI. I am one. <laughs> Remember, uh, the use of standards, AMI standards, is voluntary. Standards are performance-based documents that serve to assist or help 
healthcare industry with performance, use, acceptance, and advancement of health technology by outlining performance and safety requirements for a device. Standards may also be user-oriented to promote safe use, application, and maintenance of health technology in a healthcare delivery setting. So what are we talking about today, Mr. H? What is ST? What does that stand for? It's uh, ST stands for standards. Uh, the primary one that most facilities do have in their sterile processing department is ST79. And the most up-to-date was printed in 2017. It does have some uh, additional articles that they've incorporated into the ST79 2017. And as far as I know, I believe the plan is either this year and next year to release the next uh, up official update and completed update at F ST79. I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, you know, Purnell, I, I think, um, is there not, before we continue on, is there not a, uh, you know, a sample of where people can go to what, you know, to see the website? And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and bring up uh, that screen. And Amy has a very informative website where you can find out all about what Amy is involved in. Steam sterilization standards are is just a tiny fraction of what Amy does. Check out their website at amy.org to see what the organization does and what they're all about. Yeah, there's a lot of training and certifications that you can look at. You wanna look at their events. Uh, how to become members. Uh, so there's a lot of information, as you can see, that's on the website. And I think it's important that uh, you all take a look at that. And remember, that is amy.org, A-A-M-I dot O-R-G. Absolutely. Remember, folks, also that different professions have their resources and have their sources of valuable information, standards, guidelines. For us in the CS world, it's AMI, the AMI standards. And the standard that we're specifically talking about here today is ST79. Two weeks ago, we looked at 7.4 of that standard, which is decontamination. What are we going to do today, Mr. H? Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on with uh, some of the other items that are covered. So let's uh, go on to 7.4.2, which are the special considerations, uh, more specifically starting off with 7.4.2.1, reusable textiles. Now, used textiles should be placed in a hamper bag that prevents leakage for transport to the laundry for processing, for guidelines on handling and reprocessing of reusable surgical textiles, you wanna actually take a look at ANSI Amy ST665. So, you know, it, the nice, and that's the nice thing about the integration of the Amy standards. It not only 
tells you uh, what the standards are of a particular thing, but if it has further details, it'll clearly outline uh, the other standards in which you can go ahead and look at. So, uh, so what is it that we're talking about reusable textiles? Um, I think we're, you know, it's talking about the reusable linens that we use for wrapping. Now, I know for most people, they're like, we don't use that. Uh, we don't personally use it necessarily at our facilities, but there are other companies out there like Synergy that uh, will process, and that's just one company, there's other companies as well. But what they do is they go in and they take over certain processes. I know at my facility, we stopped reprocessing basins. Uh, because of the time it took to go ahead and wash them, wrap them, it was actually cheaper to go ahead and send it out to a third-party company and get their reusable basins. Uh, and then we could always be guaranteed that we had enough basins uh, on uh, at the time. And so what they do is they use the reusable textile to go ahead and wrap those basins uh, to keep them protected as a bacterial barrier. 7.4.2.2, instrument lubricants. Instrument lubricants should be specifically designed for their intended use and compatible with the processing method being used. There are tons of lubricants out there floating around CS departments. First of all, as always, we need to make sure that the IFU for whatever we're attempting to lubricate says that it needs lubrication and it will sometimes specify the type of lubrication that the item needs. Always, as always, refer to the IFU for the specifics on lubricants. To get a little bit more specific, Let's talk about Da Vinci Robotic Instrumentation. Now, in their IFUs, it specifically states that they recommend Sterilite, which is a product that is sold by Asculab. All right, it's a type of mineral oil that uh, helps to prolong the life of that instrumentation. Since then, they've upgraded, and they said that regular instrument milk would also be suitable uh, to be used. But... They, although they give you a letter for that, they have not updated their IFUs. So I personally think the Sterilite works better and helps to prolong uh, the life of the instrumentation. Now, it's also important to note that when you're using lubrication, you're supposed to use it appropriately. I remember one facility, and this time that facility shall be named nameless. Uh, <laughs> we had a situation whereby uh, a staff member did not have sterile water in order to flush a lumen. So they figured, well, I will use instrument lubricant to flush it. And uh, the, in, the lubricant was uh, expired, number one. You're not supposed to be using expired products uh, at your workstation. And they didn't flush it out afterwards or drain it out. And so they put the, uh, the lumen diatom, the suction, inside the tray, and it got sterilized that way. Now, normally, the lubricant, when it comes in contact with steam, would have also turned into like a steam uh, product and, you know, through the vacuuming, would have been sucked out. 
but uh, I believe because it was expired, instead it gelled. So you want to make sure that you're uh, very careful in how you use the products. Uh, it's, always remember it's you use a product how it was intended. All right. So the next thing is uh, going into uh, the 7.5 section. We're talking about preparation for cleaning. More specifically, 7.5.1, pre-soaking. So at this point, following the point of use cleaning, and if you go into the AMI standards here, you'll see figure 6.3. Uh, it shows that instruments should be pre-soaked as soon as possible after use with a product intended to loosen soil. Uh, instruments should be not be pre-soaked if pre-soaking is contraindicated by the instrument manufacturer's IFU. So remember, so Amy is stating, now I know that up in the OR they follow the AORN standards, and if I'm not mistaken, AORN probably used this section in their own uh, instructions for the OR, but as it states that the cleaning or the pre-cleaning needs to take place at the point of use, which is in the user department, our primary customer being, uh, customer being the OR. So we wanna make sure that uh, we're enforcing that so they can uh, start the process and at that point, it'll help to prolong the life of the instrument. We don't want those instruments to dry, uh, makes it much uh, harder for us to be able to do our job. All right, and then it says the pre-soak solution, uh, manufacturer's written IFU should be reviewed and followed for the correct dilution. Some of the solutions come in uh, at a specific already pre-mixed, some have to be mixed, so you wanna check that out. Uh, in addition, you have to check the temperature, what's the contact time, and then also note that saline and other solutions that might cause corrosion should not be used in the pre-soaking process. And that's usually what actually what hospitals used to do. They used to use uh, 0.9 uh, sodium chloride, fill it up in a basin and put their instruments in there. And believe it or not, it actually did kind of a good job until we found out that it caused pitting of the instrumentation. And so it started the rust process. So we uh, definitely stopped that. And, uh, and then understand that instruments uh, should be thoroughly rinsed after pre-soaking. Now there's a rationale behind it all, where it says that pre-soaking instruments moistens and loosens the soil, thus making the cleaning steps more effective and efficient and thorough rinsing removes potential harmful residues and blood and other potentially infectious material. Alcohol and other disinfectants might affix biofilm to surfaces and make it difficult to remove. So I've seen facilities where they're using alcohol. It's like they'll, they'll soak something and then they use the alcohol as a rinsing agent. And remember when it says uh, that if you use it, it might affix uh, biofilm. In other words, it solidifies. It makes it hard and it, it speeds, speeds up the uh, process of it uh, adhering to the metal surface. And of course, we also know that biofilm can only be re, uh, removed through actual scrubbing. That's right. Uh, these Amy standards, again, as we're highlighting here, are critical information for you, CSS Nation. If you have not reviewed the AMI standards, 
um, you should. If you're thinking about advancing in this career field as a CS professional, maybe potentially looking at getting into leadership, um, these Amy standards are going to be required reading for you. Again, check out the Amy standards. Real quick, Bernal, uh, before you continue, because you just triggered a, a memory of mine, uh, talking about your education and advancement into leadership. So it's time for a commercial because guess what? Central Sterilization Solutions has upcoming classes that are available. So if you're listening to this and you're not currently certified, we have classes for you. And if you're wanting to advance your career, we will be releasing the CIS program very shortly. So let's stay tuned for a commercial break. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back to the show, folks, and uh, we're really excited to be here. Again, happy 4th of July to you all. Please stay safe. I know depending on where you're at, fireworks may be legal or illegal, but be very careful. Uh, I've known people in the past that have uh, injured themselves, so be very careful. All right, Pernell, go ahead and pick up where uh, I interrupted you. 7.5.2. <laughs> sorting and disassembly. These are general considerations. Following transport to the decontamination area, contaminated items should be handled as follows. Contaminated items should be removed from the transport containers. Contaminated items should be sorted. General operating instruments should be segregated from delicate items that require special handling. You want to talk a little bit about that, Mr. H, and why we do that separation? Well, it's important to make sure that we're keeping each other safe. Um, you know, you're supposed to separate out sharps from regular instrumentation, um, especially if they're reusable sharps. Uh, you don't want them just uh, willy-nilly sitting around in the tray because as we're going through and we're sorting through and pulling the instruments out on the prep assembly side, it, there's a possibility of uh, individuals getting hurt. So Absolutely. it's uh, really uh, imperative that we take those reusable sharps and put them in a, a specific uh, position and placement in our tray before it goes through the washer. Sharp items and those identified for repair, uh, repair tags that are uh, designed for surgical instrumentation should remain on the instrumentation throughout the cleaning process. We don't want to misidentify items that are broken as good items. We wanna keep that tag on the items all the way throughout the process, meaning that those tags are going to have to be cleanable and uh, able to go through the washing process. C. Correct. And uh, C, it shows that all disposable products such as tip protectors and your chemical indicators should be removed, as well as sharp uh, disposable sharps should be removed. Absolutely. They should be removed in the operating room, of course, that doesn't always happen. 
And when they do come into the decontamination area, again, disposable sharp items such as troll cars and the like, um, they should be discarded appropriately um, in a sharps container. Right, Mr. H? Absolutely. D, unless otherwise directed by the manufacturer, instruments should be disassembled in preparation for cleaning according to the manufacturer's IFU. So if the instrument is a multiple part instrument, that can come apart. Unless the manufacturer says, do not take it apart for cleaning, it should be disassembled for cleaning purposes. Exactly. And then uh, part of that is um, things like your protective devices. You might have like silicone mats, dividers. These need to be removed um, as appropriate. And you need to follow the IFUs for that. I don't know how many times, you know, people just wash the instruments, they rinse off the mats and that's it. They don't really do any deep cleaning. And over time, they start to turn yellow, they start to turn gray. And uh, because we're actually, we're just assuming, well, it's getting washed in the washer. Mm -hmm. Well, guess just like any other surface, we need to be taking our brush underneath the surface of the water to make sure that it is being cleaned appropriately. And then devices and instrument manufacturers written IFUs uh, for disassembly and reassembly of all processed items should be reviewed and followed. All right, so it goes back to uh, the you know back to the drawing board when we first learned anything that can be disassembled should be disassembled and uh, taken apart for proper cleaning because you know depending on the complexity of the device it could add protection to that device and for uh, microbes or blood products to uh, remain behind. All small parts screws, nuts, and washers should be contained to prevent loss. And Mr. H, how do we contain those small items? Well, uh, you know, you have uh, different companies out there such as Key Surgical and uh, Ascalap and uh, all these other companies that they have products where you can have small mesh baskets where you can put these items in, keep them with the instrumentation, uh, it allows for the impingement process, so the spray force is still able to penetrate through and wash them, but keeps them all neatly together so that you don't lose them. That's right. 7.5.2.2, rigid sterilization container systems. Mr. H., why don't we talk about the general considerations as it relates to decontamination for rigid sterilization containers. Absolutely, so what we're specifically talking about in the AMI standards is 7.5.2.2.1. All right, now before acquiring rigid uh, sterilization container systems, uh, you as the healthcare facility uh, or any organization should confirm that the facility has the capacity to follow the manufacturer's validated decontamination methods. So in other words, it's not just enough to say that we can buy these, you know, uh, and because the, the manufacturer, I know that like say Ascalab requires that you do two things. Number one, you need to do the manual cleaning and inspection of the containers. 
afterwards you put them on the rack and you put it through the uh, cart washer with a specialized rack to allow you to be able to wash them uh, and disinfect them appropriately. So it's very important to make sure that you're following the manufacturer's instructions. Incidentally, Harry, you know, we go out into the field all the time on assignments. And one of the things that we do when we're reviewing the decontamination processes in hospitals is look at the ways uh, containers, uh, rigid container systems are decontaminated. And it is always alarming for me at the lack of attention paid to this particular process. Now, the Amy standards are quite clear. Um, please, please take a look at these standards and make sure that you're following them to a T. It's critically important. Exactly, because, because you know, uh, as we continue here, the method selected uh, should be guided by the uh, container systems manufacturer written instructions. And if you're not doing that, you're potentially uh, cross-contaminating and affecting a, pa a patient. So not only do you have to follow the written manufacturer's IFUs in conjunction with the uh, mechanical cleaning equipment manufacturer's IFUs as well. So uh, it's not just enough to say, okay, I'm going to put them in the washer. I'm going to put it this. The manufacturer of the machine that's doing the cleaning, they may have specific requirements uh, that you need to follow. I.e. the right cycle, um, placement of the containers, that sort of thing. Right, Mr. H? Absolutely. Uh, before sterile, uh, so rigid sterilization container systems should be cleaned, A, before sterilization, either manually or mechanically. So it doesn't matter as long as that cleaning is appropriate and dictated by the IFU. B, according to the container system manufacturer's written IFU and by personnel following accepted practices for documentation and employee safety, including PPE. Yes. Now, only cleaning agents that are intended for uh, cleaning rigid sterilization containers uh, and not uh, are not contraindicated in the device manufacturer's validation uh, process or the IFUs should be used. So in other words, those of you that like to use Comet, those of you that like to use Mr. Clean or whatever, you know, I've seen uh, where it's like... Uh, Joy, you know, the dish liquid, uh, dishwashing liquid and stuff. If it's not in the IFU, you cannot use it. And it's like, but Mr. Harry, it smells good. It works. <laughs> yeah, it does work. We don't know what kind of damage it may, long term it may do to the device. So it's and very simply, important. if it's not in that IFU, we don't touch it. Right, Mr. H? Absolutely. So after the cleaning process is completed, uh, you got to check the nuts, bolts, and screws, the rivets, the filter retention mechanism, your gaskets, and your permanent filters. These need to be inspected for cleanliness and damage as well. And I don't know how many times, uh, Purnell, I see that uh, people, when they're putting their containers through, they still have the retention plate still locked in place when it's going through the washer. And it's well, like, you don't why do you it. do that? You don't want to lose it, Mr. A.
Yeah. And it's like, why do you do that? Well, exactly. We don't want to lose it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, just think of whatever blood and everything. Because if the filter retention plate can hold a filter in place with, so it's not moving around, guaranteed if there's blood or tissue underneath that uh, retention plate, it's not going to move either. And it's not especially not going to get washed out. That's right. So what's the rationale behind uh, this particular section of uh, the general considerations when it comes to like selecting rigid containers, the cleaning solutions and such? You have to understand that certain cleaning methods or cleaning agents might not be compatible with the particular rigid sterilization container system. Understand that some cleaning agents can cause corrosion or deterioration of the container surfaces. Uh, such as decoloration, uh, stress cracking. For example, some detergents that do not have a neutral or near neutral pH uh, level might corrode the more sensitive metals. And specific additives can adversely affect some of the plastics and the gasket uh, materials. You know, so the rubber sealing that uh, keeps it sealed, you got to be careful with that. And then uh, thorough rinsing is going to be essential for removal of the detergent and other residues. So hidden surfaces and crevices can make thorough cleaning very difficult. And because of that, now here's another situation with biofilm that we have to be concerned with. All right, residual organic matter can significantly reduce the efficacy of the decontamination process. So damaged components of the container system could interfere with the sterilization process or allow contamination of the contents within. So this is a big one. I mean, you know, you're like, well, that's a pretty simple section there, but you know, it's not a lot of writing, but it's very specific as to why it is that we have to follow the IFUs. Absolutely. Again, the manufacturers um, have tested their container systems with a variety of detergents, enzymatic solutions, so on and so forth. So they know best as to what can be used on these systems. So Mr. Green is out, Formula 409 is out, degreasers are out, stop it, follow the IFU. 7.5.222. Removable filters. Removable filters and filter protectors or holders should be removed or released to disengage the filter media to allow for cleaning. Disposable filters should be discarded. Reusable filters should be disassembled, cleaned, and replaced according to the manufacturer's IFU. The rationale here is filters can be reservoirs of contamination, especially when the container system is used to collect or transport used instruments. A disposable filter might not maintain its barrier effectiveness for more than one cycle and reuse could result in improper sterilization or contamination of the container system. Mr. H? 
Yes. And again, you know, very short section here about removable filters. But again, the rationale uh, we keep coming back to is biofilm, soil, uh, something that can damage the filter retention plate that can, you know, cause our instrumentation uh, to become contaminated. Uh, and so thus us not being able to maintain sterility, you know, and the quality assurance of our products. So it's very important, again, that you go through and that you read the AMU standards and you understand them. The, the last section we're going to cover before we uh, sign off for today is going to be section 7.5.2.3, where it talks about valves. Now, valves should be removed, disassembled, and cleaned according to the manufacturer's instructions, written instructions. Again, if you notice, one of the things that's funny, Bernal, I teach this course for, uh, you know, for the certification for CRCST all the time. And almost every single chapter, every single paragraph always goes back to IFUs, written IFUs. Check the manufacturer's IFUs. I wonder why that is. Can you explain that to me? Well, listen, the manufacturers are the folks who design, come up with the idea for these products. They test their products with a variety of detergents. They put them into different sterilization methods. They know because they've tested this equipment, what should or should not be used to clean them, etc. In the world of central services, as many of you know, we don't make things up. We follow the science and we definitely follow the manufacturer's instructions for use. The manufacturers are required to give us these instructions by the FDA. Now, if you're saying, hey, we have this particular product or container system in our hospital and the instructions for use are very complicated and they don't make sense, well, there's a process for that as well. Somebody needs to call in uh, the manufacturer, explain what uh, the issue is and try to get some kind of resolution or clarification as to their instructions for use. It is critically important that we follow what the manufacturer says. Not only that, it is critically important that healthcare facilities have the capacity, have the training, and have the equipment in order to follow the manufacturer's instructions for use. If those things aren't in place, the item probably shouldn't be in the healthcare facility. Mr. H? Absolutely. And so just to uh, recap on what uh, Purnell was saying here, you know, that the fact that the IFUs have been put in place because the manufacturers have done the validation, uh, it goes to say that if us as a facility, as a department, if we're not following the IFUs, and we're using it contrary to the recommended use and what it was validated for, then we can be ultimately causing harm to the patient. 
And then that liability lies solely on the medical facility, as opposed to if we're using the manufacturer's IFUs correctly, and if the product fails, well, then the liability falls on the manufacturer. And again, so, yeah, it's, it's our job to protect, you know, we have legal responsibilities to our facility, to our department to protect not only the patients, but to protect the facility as well. So it's why we have to follow the IFUs. And if you ever have somebody who says, no, that's okay, you don't have to do that, you need to go back again to the Amy standards and you need to enforce it. So, and then lastly, on this little small section here about valves, you know, the rationale behind, you know, making sure that they're removed and disassembled and such and cleaned properly is the fact that improperly maintained valves can interfere with sterilant penetration or it can allow microbial contamination into the container system and uh, expose the contents. All right, so that's, uh, you know, that's it for today. Any last words on, on, uh, on any of these sections here, Pernell? Well, again, Harry, like we mentioned at the top, Amy or the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation is critically important to the central service world, the central service profession. Amy has written the standard ST79 for steam sterilization in healthcare facilities. And again, we look to those Amy standards as our North Star. Uh, if you're in the CS profession, you should know about the Amy standards and you should become familiar with these standards. These standards are the foundation for the central service profession. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's show, folks. I wanted to thank you for uh, sticking with us and listening. And just a reminder that we do have the upcoming classes. We have a class starting on uh, July 14th for the CRCST. Uh, August, we have a class starting for the CRCST. We're planning on starting our new CIS program uh, in September. And uh, so that's uh, we're really excited about that. And the great thing is because it's going to be a pilot program, it's the first time that we're officially teaching it with all the PowerPoints. We have all the, the books. We have some really good products. We have Isham's uh, Instrument Technical Book Manual. We have it. There it is, Mr. Purnell showing it. And uh, along with that, uh, we have Rick Schultz's uh, book on instrumentation inspection and also flashcards on the inspection points that will be part of it. So it's not just that we're going to be teaching from the book. There's going to be uh, additional uh, information that's going to help you be able to pass that certification exam uh, and to help advance your career. So if you look at the bottom of our screen there, it shows that you can... Go ahead and look up the information on our website at centralsterilizationschool.com. All right. Again, that's centralsterilizationschool.com to get information about our upcoming courses. And on top of that, uh, you can either uh, go there or you can just go ahead and give us a call for information on the upcoming classes at 855-234-6770 
What number was that again? 855-234-6770. And uh, so we're really excited uh, for that. Again, it's a pilot program, so we're not going to be charging the full price that we normally do. We're going to have a significant uh, discount off the CIS course. And so, again, we're really excited to be able to present that to you. And lastly, well, a couple of last-minute things. Remember, keep safe on 4th of July. Check out our YouTube station. Be sure to like us and subscribe. And if you haven't already, on Facebook, join CSS Nation. Become a part of this movement. Yes. And with that, Pernell, any last-minute words you would like to share? Why, sure, Harry. We'll be back.